0: Okay, a little review. Thank you so much for coming out on a Wednesday night after a hard day's work. I am honored. Um, A little review, where your energy goes and your attention goes is where your behavior goes. If you want to change your behavior, you have to be aware of where your attention goes and where your energy goes. In order to be aware of where your energy goes and your attention goes, you have to develop a self-observer. Everybody has one. One way that you develop your self-observer is through centering prayer. All right, a little exercise. Everybody can put their attention somewhere. So everybody put their attention on my finger now change your attention and put it on your left knee. Now, change it and put it in the back of your throat. Okay, now move your attention down to your belly. When you're able to do that successfully, you're going to feel, feel a heaviness in your belly. And it's from that point that you are centered. When you are able to go to that place of centering, you are more likely to not react, but to act. But when you center yourself, that gives yourself a moment to act instead of react. So when you center prayer, get your attention wherever it is, gather it, move it down to your belly, and that is what observes your thoughts, your feelings, your fantasies, your plans. That's where the self-observer is. Okay, so that's a little review. That's to help you with your self-observing, with your attention, with your energy, and with your behavior. So all of these types, again, that I'm talking to you about, all of these types is the beginning point of these types of people. It is where they begin as young people. And that is why it is not always the nicest of descriptions. This is in their preformed or unformed state. And so you'll have to forgive the negative aspects of it. Um, In essence, we all begin in a place where we're not useful at all. We are not useful in the states that I am describing. It is the beginning point. So I'm not going to apologize for the negative parts. But I have learned and am trying to end on a good note. So you guys, when it's you, you feel good about yourself. (laughs) See, I am nice. (laughs) I can be. (laughs) I try to be. (laughs) All right. So, our dear and precious sevens the last of the mental triad and Susan is already smiling <laughs> so the mental triad are those of us who the way we go about avoiding the present moment the way we go about avoiding God is by going into our heads and imagining a better place so it works and that's why they do it And the other thing is, is it's instinctive. No one taught them to do this. This is what's so amazing about our types. No one taught us to do this. And it is so instinctive that we think everybody does it. It is so instinctive that we think all of life, lived by everybody, is the way we do it. It is our water that we swim in and it takes a long time to figure out what our water is. So again, it is very instinctive. It works for these people. Um, So, the way they handle difficulty is through their imagination because they're in the mental triad. So they go to their heads, and they go to their heads, and they imagine. All right. So, we're going to walk around the sevens now. We're going to talk about good things and bad things and difficulties. And then we're going to talk about good things and bad things and difficulties. So, we're just going to walk around. If I had more time, I would give you stories about the things that I'm saying. But we just don't have time. And so that's why we touch and touch and touch and touch and touch. And um, so, all right. So, think about the people that you know, think about your children. Think about yourselves, think about your spouses, think about your friends, think about your relatives, and see who you know that is seven-like. All right, the seven's worldview: The world is full of opportunity and options. They look forward to the future. They seek stimulation and peak experiences. And they avoid limitations at all costs. They want to keep the energy up. They like leaving parties while it's still interesting. They experience joy in the mind. They experience joy in options. They plan possibilities and they imagine ideas. They replace deep and painful feelings with positive alternatives like talking, planning and imagining. They actually confuse reality with ideas. As far as they are concerned mentally whatever it is that they are imagining has already happened. In that way they are quite narcissistic. They can be relaxed, full of good humor, imaginative, sunny, and playful. All of this, though, serves to protect them from anxiety and pain. They feel confident. They say, I can do anything. People think well of me. And when they say to you, we are all equal. What it really means is, you do your thing and I'll do mine. If unchallenged, they have a tendency to feel superior in their giftedness. If they are challenged, they will feel punctured and inferior. So, they charm and they disarm. They are good at talking their way out of trouble. But the sevens are fear types, and the way they handle their fear is by moving forward into friendly contact with people, thereby disarming them. Sometimes in order to avoid fear, they say, I'm bored. So they confuse boredom with fear. And sometimes boredom masks unwillingness. They're unwilling to do something, but they think that they're bored. And when their ability is questioned, they get angry. And they get terrified when their charm doesn't work. They value spontaneity. They love open ended agreements and multifaceted jobs. And they like the beginning and planning stages of a project. They procrastinate about final commitments and about completion. So again, their personality bias is that the world is full of options, ideas, adventures, and plans for a bright future. But their real pleasure is mental. Their mind hungers for experiences. Good times are remembered, and the bad times simply fade away. Life is okay again when the energy starts to run. For them, gluttony is simply a banquet of experiences. They stuff their weekly schedule full, and they fill their minds, their mind with plans. Disappointment for them barely surfaces. Being told what to do is irritating. And they consider limitations as the product of small thinking. Only small minds put limitations on things. Rules are annoying, and besides that, they're probably unimportant. And if their options start to shrink, they feel like they are dying and suffocating. So, in order to grow, sevens have to learn how to stay with their pain instead of leaving it. They will grow by dealing with pain. But for them, the idea of life is to stay excited and joyous. And they make lots of plans, lots of lists, but not necessarily to follow or do them. The point is to be able to see lots of options. This is what they call positive imagining. After all, in the mind, everything and anything is possible. And physical existence just can't match the pleasure of the mind. They can actually be uh, impatient with genuine accomplishment because it's just not as interesting as they imagined it would be. Now again, the five, six, and sevens are the fear types. And for the sevens, the hallmark of fear for them is ambivalence about authority and procrastination. So again, five, six, and sevens wrestle with authority and wrestle with procrastination but each for a different reason. Sevens procrastinate because they take on too much. Good ideas will stimulate a tree of mental associations and the possibilities are endless. And a finished project invites commentary and criticism whereas ideas are freely circulated and enjoyed. After all Broken equipment, angry competitors, and back pain are simply never a part of the imaginings. Type 7s are self-referencing. Several types of the Enneagram system have narcissistic tendencies. The 8s, for example, could be called hard narcissists. It's their way or the highway. The 7s are soft narcissists. They simply go where they can get their way. They're not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're a seven, there's nothing wrong with any of this. (laughs) In one of uh, the groups that I did, there was a seven. It was hilarious because we went through the chapters that that we self-identified with and we would tell what we identified with, and so the whole way through this person identified with everything positive and there wasn't a single negative thing that he identified with. It was (laughs) hilarious. They want, they know what they want, and they are less in touch with the needs of others. Seven assumes that what pleases them would please anyone. How could it be otherwise? After all, this is fun. So they're often shocked when their actions are called into question. And they think of themselves as sensitive to other people. But the truth is that people who disagree with them are simply limited and therefore dismissed. They move from one positive experience to another and this reinforces the belief that the people around them share their vision. So, initially, it is difficult for sevens to see how pleasure could possibly be destructive. And as a result, guilt rarely enters the picture. Now for them, reframing means putting a new context around an event. It is a mainstay of their optimistic outlook on life. I'm going to read you an example in this book. By the way, again, I am using these two books. One by Richard Rohr, The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective, and The Enneagram, In Love and Work by Helen Palmer. This is an example of the mind of a seven. I once talked to a seven about the pollution of the San Francisco Bay, and this was his answer. I see the butterflies on a trash pile rather than the pile. A trash pile isn't permanent, so I start planning what to do with the garbage. The pile itself becomes instructive, and the message interests me. It's compost. It plays a part in the cycle of creation and destruction. It links butterflies with this conversation and with humanity and the rest of life. Composting is a task that can rally people The community could focus here. It's not that garbage has suddenly become sightly; it's that, in my mind, it has become a reason for people to get together. (laughs) Now that is a seven. (laughs) What a hoot. So these are the techniques that sevens use to avoid painful reality. As I said, reframing that Example is what you call reframing. (laughs) To the nth degree. (laughs) Uh, They simply make another plan. If anything gets too painful, we'll change the plan. Ah, Distracting. We'll simply distract ourselves. We'll go to a new place in our mind. We will reframe the event as interesting. So if they experience some pain... It doesn't become painful, it becomes a growth experience. And interestingly enough, then it becomes a concept, and not an emotion. So they have solved that problem, they don't have to feel it, because they took it and made it into a concept, and they don't have to feel it. So it doesn't feel like you're avoiding pain, if you just simply put it on the back burner, there's nothing wrong with that. You just don't dwell on it, isn't that common sense? Isn't that what everybody does? So this ability to shelve shelve negative experience has its pros and cons. They forgive easily. They can raise people's spirits. But on the downside, it is hard for them to be found wrong. And they have trouble dealing with difficulty. Now sevens never turn into a type five. But when they are pressed to make a commitment, they often withdraw and appear five-like because they are considering their options because commitments are very scary for them. So sevens who are offered the security of a good choice may look contracted and somewhat miserly. Even a good choice feels terribly limiting in comparison with all the possibilities of an imagination so commitment feels like they're giving away all their options and to settle for so little feels like a terrible limitation under pressure sevens move to a type 1 in the par- in the in the aspect that it becomes they become a judgment mind And they turn towards comparing themselves with others. But their version of a judging mind is centered on deprivation. Sevens' judgment concerns curtailment of pleasure rather than an ethical consideration, which is typical of ones. Sevens don't waffle or look for loopholes when they are fully committed to a difficult task. Teams actually get finished, and they get perfectly finished. Now, sevens in relationship have a problem, and the problem is getting the sevens to see the problem. The ideal mate for the seven is someone who adores the seven and will keep the seven company while he or she has a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I think I can do that. (laughs) Sevens want high levels of stimulation, adventure, and multiple options of activities. They want to be with partners who mirror their own high self-image. And they can be quite pleasant if you admire them. (laughs) But they will ridicule you and discount you when you challenge them or place them in an inferior position. They are acutely sensitive to boredom and repetition. They can adopt new interests and maintain a charming lifestyle to keep the spark alive. And they know how to go with the flow. They love to cycle in and out of encounters with people. They like arriving on a high note and leaving with good feelings. And then they can return when the flow brings you back together again. But... Expect the sevens to get angry if the flow is interrupted. They don't want to be brought down by someone of lesser minds. They can live in a committed relationship for decades and actually still be uneasy about the idea. They will want to do many different things with you and they will support your dreams and your activities. So, in a partnership, they have been described as upbeat. They are independent, self directed, and they pursue many interests. They have trouble staying with negative emotions. It's almost impossible for them to sit down and feel bad. <laughs> 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 Hello? It's not important to actually do the item that's on their lists. It's just the possibility actually makes them feel better. Sevens will typically try to find many different solutions and many different exits before they can reach a point of anger. It's hard to pin them into a corner when they're looking for a way out. And they can bend your mind. It's not that you're wrong you just don't get it. You're imposing limitations on me. Caught with her hand in the cookie jar, they will accuse you of having small-minded attitudes about those cookies. You haven't considered the larger issues in life of sustenance and sweetness and reframed in a broader context, the discussion takes on a more evolved and sophisticated turn. Once the definition of terms is widened to the true meaning of nourishment, a handful of cookies is going to simply fall through the cracks. So, intimacy for a seven often involves the spontaneity of shared imagination. We're in each other's future, and we're going to brainstorm the possibilities of a full life together. (laughs) So, their narcissistic preoccupation with personal agendas and pleasure can make them seem uncaring and possibly unreliable. And they consider themselves open-minded and spontaneous, but you are narrow-minded and attached. And if you have anger and depression, then that simply means you're a lesser being. And if you had evolved, you would be like me, and you wouldn't feel that way. So, sevens may make apparently opposing commitments, but focus on the similarity of the intention underlying those options, they feel internally consistent. For instance, if they fall in love with one person, choose to break up, they will have no guilt or angst because the underlying theme is learning how to love. No one was abandoned, no one was chosen, both sprang from the same good intention. And because no one was abandoned and no one was chosen, they can simply repeat the process or go back to the first lover. So, some people that might come to mind are Mary Poppins, Disneyland. And Peter Pan. <laughs> so they simply thrust unpleasant tasks aside, they put them off, they ignore them, and if it can't be put aside, they will cushion it with a little bit of a happiness on both sides. They are adrenaline addicts and they have champagne in their blood. They are generalists and not specialists. And they always have several irons in the fire. They equate depth with pain. And so they avoid commitments that require too much depth. By nature, they are anti-authoritarian. And they also don't like subordinates. Because both create conflicts. And conflicts, as we well know, are painful. So, happiness and joy again, for the seven is in the head. Just as horror-filled scenarios are in the heads of the sixes. And, like threes, they are in danger of ego inflation. An exaggerated positive view of their own position. Threes can refuse to see failures, but sevens can refuse to feel pain. So Richard Rohr tells of a story that when he goes on retreats, often when he starts to talk about the need to confront the dark side, the priests in the back who are Irish and who are seven start cracking jokes because that's their way of dealing with the uncomfortableness of conflict and the dark side. The way they handle it is by distraction, and the way they distract is through jokes. He says he sees that often. It's hilarious. So, just like sevens are optimist, the sixes are pessimists, And interestingly enough, optimism and pessimism are opposite sides of the same coin. Both are intellectual mechanisms for managing the abysses and dangers of life. The sevens, the twos, and the nines are especially prone to addiction. Also, the charismatic movement in the church is in danger of becoming a pure seven movement, which leads them to avoid social issues because social issues are problematic the new age movement was very similar it was the age of aquarius almost a pure 7 movement so the symbolic animal is the monkey and the butterfly the monkey leaps from branch to branch so sevens are always searching for new adventures and new pleasures the seven the beauty the butterfly is beautiful and light And the redeemed seven is beautiful and light. The seven country is Ireland. They have a pub on every corner. At their funerals, they dance. The color is green. The color of life. Mozart was a seven. The movie um, Medius, is that it? Amadeus? Um... Actually, when uh, his circumstances were the worst, is when he wrote the lightest music. And interestingly enough, when his life calmed down intermittently, those are when he wrote his saddest music. The reason why that works is because when external circumstances provide enough security and acceptance, a seven sometimes dares to confront the dark side. So when his circumstances got well and nice and good was when he was able to write things that were more dark, interestingly enough. So the gift of redeemed sevens is sober joy. This joy can become authentic and deep if it doesn't lose itself in superficial addiction to pleasure. Anyone who wants to put on a really beautiful celebration should hand over the responsibility for it to a seven. And anyone who wants to celebrate a liturgy that makes people cheerful, should have a seven work on it. Among the life tasks, the life tasks of the sevens is to get wise to their over-hasty rationalizations. They can reach the stage where because of all the planned and organized joy, they are no longer capable of rejoicing spontaneously and from the heart. Sometimes they become peculiarly pigheaded, and tense in their efforts to avoid pain. So it is important for sevens to find a way into deep self-acceptance by discovering that they have already been accepted by God. Then they can live realistically in the beautiful and painful present instead of fleeing by daydreaming into the future. And I will, as promised, end on a light note. Sevens radiate joy and optimism, they feel childlike astonishment and experience life as a gift. They give the impression that there's enough of everything beautiful and good. They can pass this enthusiasm on to others. They help others see and enjoy the sunny side of life. They have an infectious sense of humor and they can laugh at themselves. And when sevens turn up, all the children gather around of all ages. So, sevens, thank you for being. Thank you for sharing your life with us. And now I would love to hear from you. What parts of this resonated? What parts did not resonate? Who do you know who is a seven? Is this what you know about them? Is this how you experience them?